I've been broken in pieces and left all alone. Oh, but through it all, God's blessed me. And through it all, my God's kept me. And I still have a praise inside of me. Said I've been through the fire, and I've been through the flood. I've been broken in pieces and left all alone. Oh, but through it all, God's blessed me, yeah. and through it all, my God's kept me, and I still. Have a praise inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I still have a praise inside of me. Now, next part, we've all done. It goes, although I've been wounded and I've been scarred, I never gave up. Oh, no, no. I've trusted in God. Yes, Jesus. Yeah, and through it all, God's kept me. Yeah, and through it all, my God's blessed me. And I still have a praise inside of me. One more time. It says, although I've been wounded and I've been scarred, Never gave up, oh no, no. I've trusted in God. Yeah, and through it all, God's kept me. Yeah, and through it all, my God's blessed me. And I still have a praise inside of me. Yes, I still have a praise inside of me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to lay some foundation on this here in just a moment. We're not going to read the entire chapter. But Joshua, is a, 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 chapter 6 is a power. This is, we're talking about the Jericho walls. And I have preached out of this text in my ministry probably in the 28 years I've done it. I can, I can think of about six or seven times. And what the Lord has laid on my heart today is totally different than what I've ever preached. You ever get into the Word of God and, and you've read a scripture a billion times and all of a sudden it just pops up and smacks you in the face? Yeah, that's one of the moments I had this week on a continual basis. You know, so we're going to, I want to be sharing out of Joshua, but we're going to first take this to prayer. I want you to stand with me, stretch them legs. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we come to you today. Father, Lord, I thank you for the word that you've laid on my heart. I thank you for the message that uh, you're about to give. Father, I just ask right now for your spirit, for your anointing, your direction, and your will. None of that is mine. All of it is yours. God, I ask that you anoint our ears to hear the word of God. Anoint my mouth to bring forth what you want to be said and not what I want said. God, I just ask you just to move and help us to grow stronger in you. And we give you the praise and glory in what you're about to do with your word. Because we know through your word that your word does not return back void. So each person that is in here, Father, you have something for them. 
and I give you the praise and glory, and the church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, in the story of the Jericho Walls, and if, if you've read it at all, and you're familiar with it, in, in Jericho, let me get over here, Joe, uh, Jericho chapter 6, that's what I said. We'll cut that part off the, uh, I'm going to talk about Jericho, yeah. But uh, in, in Joshua chapter 6, as I look for it. Uh, now this is where the children of Israel, they had one more, they'd been wandering in the wilderness for uh, years and years at this point, And this land would, was already promised to them. And they had conquered army after army, after army. But this last city, the city of Jericho, in the middle of the desert, in the desert area, they, there was Jericho. It was eight acres. That's all Jericho was. And there was walls all the way around it. There wasn't just one wall, but they had an outer wall and they had an inner wall. Uh, and when you look at this, there was areas on their outer wall that was 22 feet thick. The city had never been conquered. There was actually people living inside the walls of the Jericho Wall. Remember, they were only on eight acres. And this city was unconquerable. It had never been beaten. The walls were so thick. And how they survived is Jericho was so valuable in its location because that was a key point of travel from east to west and north to south. It was in a very key location. And it was in the land that God had promised to the children of Israel and said, this is yours. So they're standing here. Now, the children of Israel had gone through years of turmoil and being kicked out and whatever. And God says, I am going to give you this city. Nobody's ever conquered Jericho. Hundreds of years, nobody has ever conquered this city. And God told the children of Israel, I'm giving you this city. See, this is something that we've got to understand in our walk. God has told us in Christ himself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, etc., etc. God says, I am going to give you that victory. That issue that you're battling with, you have victory. You see, he's already designed it. He's already grafted in through Christ as victorious. We've got people here today that is living in depression. You're living into battles. You're living, you're letting the things of the world conquer you and beat you. You're letting your past take you and whoop you. And let me tell you something, Jesus. Jesus has already said, I, you have victory through me. You do not have to live down in the mully grubs, if you will. You don't have to live in sorrow. You don't have to live in grief. You don't have to live in these type of things and hurting and do this because I have already given you victory. My blood not only covers that sins, but my resurrection has given you victory. You see, you can go and Allah's dead. You can go over the Joseph Smith is dead. You can go to all these prophets. They're dead. But Jesus is the only one, baby, that's alive. And because we serve a risen God, a living God, we are victorious through Christ. Can I get an amen? Why are we living like we're beat up? Why are we living like we're depressed? Why are we living all these things? I understand sometimes life gets us down, but that doesn't mean that we have to stay there. It doesn't mean that that's where we got to live. That means we got to get out of it, and God's going to take us because he's already told the children of Israel. He's already told us, 
You have victory. You can say, I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. And I got news for you. God readies you. God prepares you. How dare you decide what God says? You decide, this is what I'm going to do. God says, no, I got this for you. But we go in here, and I want to bring out some points that the Lord has laid on my heart. But what had happened is God had given them Jericho. And God had told them, here's what you're going to do, Joshua. You're going to go there, and you're going to send the warriors first. Then you're going to send the priest with seven priests with seven horns. I want to tell you about these horns. The horns that they had had two calls, war or praise. And I got news for you. The priest had them. The priest wasn't calling war. He was calling praise. I want you to hold on to that. And then we had the ark of the we had God in the presence. You had your warriors. You had your ministers, you had your priests, you had your worship. And their job was to blow the trumpets as they went around that eight acres. And then you had the re-reward, more warriors. In fact, a lot of the theologians that I read was the, actually the tribe of Dan. And there's reasons for that that we're not going to go into, but it was a great personal study. And he told him, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around that path. He says, but you're not allowed to talk. You see, in verse 1, in, Jer- in Joshua 6, 1, it says, the gates were shut up. I want you to remember that word, shut up. Man, I got in trouble when I was a kid telling my sister, shut up. I'd get in trouble, but God's saying, the gates were shut up. Now, when we go back into, because I love doing this, guys. When you go back into the original text of that word, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Kager, or actually, Sager. Thank you. Sager was the word. And what that means is that text means no escape. Imprisoned. Shut up. You see, we got people in here today that's hearing this message, that's here today. You're in a, you feel like you're in a position where you're shut up. You're in a position that you don't feel like you can escape. You're in a position that you feel like you're in prison. And I got news today. That enemy that has put that on you, he's, it's, it's about to end. It's no longer around. You're no longer a prisoner because God's going to move in a great and mighty way if you allow him. If you allow him to take away those battles that you're fighting. You see, this was an unpenetrable city. But God says, oh no, oh no. Oh, no, it may be shut up. Oh, no, you may feel imprisoned. Oh, no, you may feel like there's no victory, but I got news for you. There's a deliverance, and those walls are going to come down. But there's a few things I'm going to ask from you. Number one, I'm going to let you let you worship me. I want you to praise me. I want you to lift me up because you know where your victory's coming from. And I want you to keep God in the focus of your life. You understand that I've got the warriors in front of you. I got the warriors behind you. Woo! And I got where you are going to be because... As long as somebody else is fighting our battle and the angels are fighting and God says, I've already gave you victory. He's fighting our battle and God's in the middle. Our job is to worship, amen. Our job is to believe in the victory that God has given us and as long as you believe in that victory, baby, we are not beat up. We are not shut up. We are not locked up. We need to look up, amen. I don't know about you, but it's preachable. And that's just verse 1. 
Let me tell you what. We've gotten imprisoned in our sin, in our addiction, in our grief, in our guilt, in our hate, in our fear, in our jealousy. And i got news for you. There's a deliverance. There's a deliverance. There has been a deliverance. In verse 2, he says in chapter 6, verse 2, I'm still not even on my verse. He says, and the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given. He's already given us that victory in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. You know what he says? He says, well, you've done everything, all that you can do. What are you to do? Stand. You do not move from the word of God. You do not move from where God has appointed you and set you in. You go into, into uh, the scriptures where he talks about the watchtower, the overseers. I'm going to tell you, we got to take that ground because the watchtowers, uh, the, the overseers, they were on top of the towers. They were watching and they were looking to make sure the enemy's not coming out. I'm going to tell you what, you have a body today at, uh, at our church right here in this ministry. We're going to pray with you. We're going to lift you up. We're going to love you. And because, we, because we're going to be that part of that watchtower if you will amen as i've said this time and time again and you guys are going to hear me say this time and time again understand our christian walk is not about yourself my walk's not about me sister anna's walk is not about her brother malik's walk is not about him it's about you we have a responsibility to one another to support uh, to help to love amen you see, because we're in that line with the warriors ahead and the warriors behind, in all reality, man, God didn't need them. God didn't need them. But God used them. And on that first day, they went around because they stood for seven days. When they went around, the priest was to blow the horn. And nobody was allowed to talk. Shut up. In James chapter 4, verse 7, everybody gets into the area and they say, and you've heard this, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Amen? You heard that? You said it? But we have a tendency to forget the first part of that. It's the first half is more important than that second, you see. Because what happens when we say, well, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. No, that's not even real, man. There's another part of the verse everybody forgets or they don't want to say it. Because, you see, when you're saying that, you're relying on your abilities and capabilities to do God's work. I got news for you. I failed miserably at my own work. I fell miserably at trying to do uh, to preach on my own. I fell miser- I fell miserably just to, uh, to chew, walk and chew bubble gum on my own. I don't even ch- Astada. I don't chew gum because I'll fall. Astada <laughs> ain't got no room to talk. She almost tumbled on them stilts she's wearing. <laughs> but in the very first part of that says. Submit yourself unto God. Then, then can you resist the devil because you're relying on God's strength, not your strength. Because ours, let me tell you, if it takes a mustard seed, faith the size of mustard seed, and those are so tiny, you can't even see them, right? So tiny. And you can move mountains with that. Man, I ain't got that much faith in myself. I believe Atheists have more faith than Christians. 
Because there has to be a lot of faith to believe that this thing blew up and ta-da! Amen? And I ain't making fun of no atheist, but I love you. Brothers, you're confused. I mean, come on, let's talk about atheists for a minute. I understand that, you know, God wants to reach out to them. But in California, several years ago, the atheists started churches. Okay? Now, I want you to, they come in, they go to church, the atheist church, and they listen to classic rock. Okay, cool. Throw some Led Zeppelin in for some praise and worship. Stairway to heaven makes sense. If you go to an atheist church that they play, highway to hell, look out. Wrong church. <laughs> Maybe some Jimi Hendrix, purple haze, because I'm not thinking clearly. And then they preach some science. And I'm reading this article in total amazement because I'm thinking, number one, if I'm an atheist, I am not getting up early. I am sleeping in. I am not going over there to listen to some dude babble about nothing. We don't believe in nothing. Nothing exists. Uh, there's not a God. Just, there was a great explosion. Boom, we're here. Okay, let's have brunch. Now, I, I don't know. I've never been to an atheist church. I don't know. I, I, don't, I just know what I read in the article. But what that tells me is that they're looking for an answer. And what they know isn't filling. And we're looking for an answer in our walk. But here's the thing. What we know through Christ is filling. If we allow it. You see, you can be a Christian. You can be a weak Christian. There's three levels of faith. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. None, little, and a lot. Now remember, a lot is the size of a mustard seed that moves mountains. It says, Christ, God said, I have given when we submit in James and when we stand in Ephesians. He's giving and we have victory. And it says, they were passed around that city one time every day for six days, playing the trumpets of worship, taking God. Warriors in the front, warriors in the back, and those guys are silent. Oh, dear God, if only the saints could be silent for a while. You know what? We got to get rid of running our mouth in the gossip and replace it with the gospel. We need to quit running our mouth, tearing down our brother and our sister, and take it back to God and, and uplift one another to support and to encourage. And that's why God says, you're going to go there, but you're going to shut up. You're not going to spread no gossip. You're not going to spread no rumors. He says, you're going to come past that city. You're going to worship. The fight was there. God was there. The fight was there. I did say fight twice because he had two sets of fighters, warriors going in and ready to go. And from day one to day six, they crossed and nothing in verse 10 says nothing was said. They kept their mouth shut. Oh, if we could just get off Facebook a little bit and quit running our mouth. If you're going to get on Facebook, if you're going to get on social media, can you uplift the brethren? Can you uplift the sister instead of talking about, well, so-and-so did this. Shut up and get right with God. Just shut your mouth and get right with God. Our, our, we're not to tear down one another. We're to lift one another up. 
drives me crazy. And for seven days, then the seventh day came, the city is shut up. Now, can you imagine uh, when they're standing on Jericho walls and, and Jericho's looking, going down, what are these guys doing? They're making me dizzy walking. And they walk and they're playing music. What is this? And they're like, because, you know, they're cocky. Jericho's cocky. <clears throat> they haven't been defeated. They like us men. Yeah, I'm a man. Brother, stand up for me. Stand up for me. He's tall. That's why I went to him. You see, he's tall. He's strong. He's a man, right? I'm glad you answered yes to that. But <laughs> he's a man. And men have pride because we, we support our families. We, we work hard and we do everything. Right? That's a typical man, right? Absolutely. And this is a picture of a man right here. And, okay, sit down. Thank you. He's taller than I am, so I had to get a real man. And, and this wall was, and Jericho was like, they can't mess with us. They can't touch us. Look at these crazy guys. But they didn't know the end was coming. Six days they walked around doing the same thing. No talking. And then on the seventh day, they went around seven times. And Joshua 7 is repeated 14 times in chapter 6. 14 times. Seven's a holy number. God number. End of the week. It's three seven twenty one there's a list of them if you get into numerology in the bible whichever <clears throat> but on the seventh day they went around seven times doing the same thing they'd done every day can you imagine jericho they come in around one time and now they did it the second time they go whoa wait a minute they're coming a second time. And a third, you know you had Billy Bob up on the top of the wall of Jericho going, Hey, Steve, check this out. They're getting dizzy. That's your redneck, Jericho. That's the southern part of Jericho. The other four acres of it. And he says, and they went in, they praised seven times. They shut up, no gossip, no grumbling, no backbiting, no blaming. They were focused on God. The priests were focused on worship. The warriors are expecting something to happen. The front, the back, the priest, they're expecting something to happen. This part of the Christian's problem is we're not expecting God to move in a stronger, in a greater, in a mightier way than our walk than where we are at now. And it is time for an expectation that God's going to move. As long as you stand, as long as you submit, it's time to expect. Amen. Because he says, I'm going to do a greater work than these. He says, I'm going to move upon you. You're going to do greater things than I. Is that not what he told the disciples? You're going to do greater. But God, why haven't I done greater? It's because you've not submitted. You have not stood. You have not moved when I've asked. Stood when I needed you because your level of commitment. You can't go around the city one time. And he's asked us to go around multiple. I can't go to church. Where's your level of commitment? 
I can't work in your ministry. I'm too young. Excuse me. If they were to tell me that, let me, under, let me, let me explain something to you, church. Let me explain. When I said that, I've got 28 years ministry behind me, but I ran from God for four years. Four years I ran from God. And prior to that, I was really screwing things up in my walk. And I said, God, I will do what you want me to do because I'm expecting I'm going to go sit in a church, I'm going to listen to a preacher, and I'm good, right? Wrong. A week later, he said, here's the church. Can I get some ID from you, God? We put an ad out for Bibles to give to people. Sister Anna come up says, I've got some. She's old six years. She got stuck in as my secretary. Congratulations. Malik, I've known that we were talking. I've known him since he was 14. You're 21 now? Seven years. There's another number. I didn't even know he'd moved to Arkansas. He'd been there six months. Took my son back to, went to Arkansas. Took my son to his mother's. And where I was supposed to drop him at, it didn't happen. She says, I need you to go to Diamond City. I said, not a problem. Drove to Diamond City, dropped my son off, started to go home. Says, ah, I'm going to go grab a Diet Coke. You know, watch my girlish figure. I went over there. Malik walked up behind me in line. When God called him to the youth ministry, God said, give him your Bible. I said, okay. I gave it to him. I loved this boy. I watched him grow up. I didn't even know he was in Arkansas. And we were in a store. His car broke down. I wanted a Diet Coke. I'm glad I just wanted the Diet Coke and not how you got there. And we got to talking. He says, I'm moving to Arkansas. I'm, I'm out of here. He can go back to Oklahoma. I prayed and the Lord laid on my heart. I messaged him. How about Missouri? Move to Missouri. He says, well, if you can provide a way, because I invited him to church because we're getting ready for our first service. He says, if you can provide me and my roommate and we got a cat, this is what our bills is, here's what it is. I called our landlord who owns this building. I said, hey, because I didn't know if she had anything. I, did, I figured I'd probably get a no, but I, you know what? I'm going to ask because God's going to provide. I know in my heart God was going to provide. She says, yes, we actually have somebody moving out. You're his neighbor. They're moving in October 1st. Or that's the suggested date for these, whatever. God supplied don't tell me. And we've had other things happen. We can look at the numbers and get discouraged. Let me tell you something. I would rather have somebody grow spiritually and then instead of our numbers being large, as long as people are growing, as long as people is moving, we got to baptize Stott and I didn't get to hold her near as long as I wanted to, so I think we should have another baptism for her. But anyway, we... Well, as long as people are growing and we're seeing lives change, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen. But we have to go in there. It's no gossip, no backbiting. Sometimes we got to shut up, no grumbling, no, no blaming. And we need to focus on worship. We need to focus on praise. We need to focus on God. We need to focus on what God wants us to do in our life. Understand the three levels of, of if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. I want to bring out three things and understand these walls as they're getting ready to fall. They are believing God is going to do a miracle, and you need to believe today that God's going to do a miracle in your life. There is three ways to grow in our faith because we have no faith, little faith or no faith, and we all need our faith to grow. Amen. 
As long as we continue in our walk, we need our faith to grow. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, I'm sorry, let's go to Romans. Yeah. But it first says uh, in Hebrews, um, yeah, it is 11, 1. Let's go back over here. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? This is the Bible script definition. Here is faith. Things hoped for. Let's read that again. Now, faith is the substance, that thing, that whole, is things hoped for. God, I'm praying and I'm hoping for that raise. God, I'm praying for that new home. I'm praying. This is not a name it, claim it, okay? Let me get there. God wants to bless his children, but I got news for you. He knows how much and what he can bless you for. I'll tell you what, this morning I went to dreaming and, and praying this morning because I believe God's going to open some doors for this ministry, for this church. But he says, but I'm, I'm going on faith that it's going to happen, and, but we've not seen that thing yet. I'm not name it, claim it, because you get stupid in some of those areas. Do I believe God wants to bless his people? Absolutely. Am I going to say, God, I want an airplane so I can, you know, God's not giving me no airplane yet, maybe. Right now, my desire is not there. My desire is what God's desire is, and that's to reach people. That's my desire. That's my heart. That's the heart of this ministry, the heart of this fellowship. That's what faith is. Then you go into Hebrews verse 30, chapter 11, and it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Did you hear that? By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed, after they surrounded them for seven days. There was a work that they had to do. They had to show their faith that God was going to do it. Amen. That was a sign of a big amen right there, guys. They had to believe that God was giving them that city. Now, understand we're going to Romans next. If anything, you guys will know your Bibles. In Romans, chapter 10, in verse 7. How do we grow in our faith? How did the children of Israel have the faith to know those walls? Number one, they heard the word of God. Joshua kept it in front of them. God kept it in front of them. God's presence was there. In Romans chapter 10, verse 7, or I'm sorry, 17. So then faith cometh by the hearing and the hearing of the word of God. For you guys that have said, I don't need to go to church. I can just go in. But I'm sorry, you may, that may be. You don't have to go to church or anything like that. But where are you getting your word from? I don't believe in televangelists. I don't believe in any of that. Where are you getting the gospel from? Grow in faith as Romans chapter 10 verse 17. By hearing the word of God, your faith will grow. By believing the word. Now check this out. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Not maybe. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the scripture saith, whoso believeth on him shall not be ashamed and our faith is part of what believing believing that God's going to move we hear it we grow in it we believe it 
And then James chapter 2. I should have put markers, but I didn't get to that part. James chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. So important. Don't you hate small pages? Who's there? Somebody's there. James Shepard, are you there? Wait, don't start up. <laughs> okay, James chapter, chapter 2. There we go. Verse 17 and 18. And it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee thy faith by my works. Understand, if you have faith, if you're standing, you're hearing, and you're believing, your works, what you're going to do, the works don't get you to heaven, amen? I don't want you to get this confused with that. But by your works, showing your faith by what you're doing for God, believing, the way you're praying, the way you walk, the way you talk, your actions. How many of you have said, words don't mean nothing by your actions? I, I believe a lot more, amen? By your actions shows your faith level. I can talk about faith all day long, but if my actions are not showing my faith, I'm full of hot wind and I need to what? Shut up. You don't have to say amen on that one so fast, Tata. Just saying. Where's your faith? Where is your belief that God's going to tear down these walls in your life? Where is your faith that God's going to tear down the walls on your finances? on your health, on your, your whatever it may be, your depression, your anger, your fear. Where is your faith? Maybe you need to grow more. Okay, I'll go with that. But what are you doing to get to that growth? Joshua chapter 6, I'm back in. Verse 17, we'll stay in there so no more traveling. We're just walking around the walls, baby. We're just walking around the walls. It says in verse 17, uh, that word, if you've got the King James Version, I think other versions uh, say other things. But the word I want to focus on in this verse is accursed. Are you with me? Verse seven, 17. It's very important. It says, and the city shall be accursed. The original word, and I'm going to screw this one up, but it was harim. The original word, harim, means doomed object, exterminated, utterly destroyed. See, that thing that you're walking around in your life, that disappointment, that hurt, that uh, sorrow, that grief, all those things, the, the depression, all those things you're walking around, understand, God has already said, it's accursed. It's already destroyed. That spiritual battle that you're fighting, God says, said, it is already exterminated. <laughs> How cool is that? He says, it is utterly 
destroyed. Did you know that there is in that area that they thought was Jericho? They found one city, found out that Jericho was 300 years deeper into the dirt. And when they dug that far, you know what they found? Nothing. You know why? Because God utterly destroyed it. He utterly destroyed your hurt. He utterly destroyed the feelings from your past. He utterly destroyed it. When Jesus was on the cross, your faith is in Christ. We are victorious over the bondage because God accursed or harried them. He accursed them. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. I want to take a look at this because this is where our victories come. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. You see, God said, understand, you've, the victory's there. The walls are the victory. That's not even the fight. The walls are the victory, amen. They were obedient with God. Walls went down, and they went down flat. The, vict- the victory has happened. The undefeatable city's gone down. We have victory. But now if we go into the next one in verse um, 21, uh, that it says, utterly destroyed. That means the warriors went into work. They went and fought, and they utterly destroyed the enemy. Every cattle, everything that come against, everything that was not of God, God destroyed. There was only one family that served. Survived, and you know who that was? A harlot, a prostitute, a harlot. She, her family was the only one because she helped the spies in previous chapters to come in. And the spies told her, said, listen, let me tell you, we will protect you as long as, again, there has to be certain rules and regs that was put out front. says, we'll protect you, but you've got to put a scarlet string in your window and do not come out your door because we're not responsible if you come out that door. And the walls went down, and her section stayed up, and they waited. As Israel destroyed all of Jericho, every animal, everything, gone, desolated. You don't think your problems God can't desolate? Because when God desolates your problems, when you allow God to desolate, I'll be closing here soon as Malik's getting ready for a song. As God desolates our battles, as God desolates our fear, as God desolates those things, understand because he's took those and you, keyword, you stood and you obeyed and you let God do it, not only did he save you, the next generation, the people that you love. In the last couple of weeks with what Stada's gone through and that whole redemption, I see another woman and I see what God's doing in her life. It's not just about you. It may be about that harlot on the street corner because you need to know you know what's so valuable about her? She was in Jesus Christ's lineage. She was one of his descendants. Uh-oh. You want to tell me Jesus had a prostitute in his lineage? <laughs> I didn't. The Bible says go look at it. Go look at the bagats. <laughs> yeah, she's there. 
she had more faith in Israel's God than she did the one she grew up on. Amen? What have you grown up on? What have you said, God, what are you doing? Not only when we rely, they were shouting victory and praise before the battle was won. Did you catch that? They were shouting the praise and the victory. God, I'm battling depression, but I know you're delivering. I'm going to stand on your promises. God, I'm battling fear, but you know what? I'm giving you the victory. I'm not going to mumble. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to rely on you. Where are you at? Have you made the one trip yet? Have you made the seven trips yet? Let me tell you what. I remember the drugs and alcohols. I remember that addiction. I remember having to make those seven trips and God saying, you are delivered. I went in that day. Go ahead, turn that up. That sounds good. <laughs> so when we need a piano player, if there's a piano player in the sound of my voice, God's calling you to this church. Amen. <laughs> By the way, if you're a children's church worker, he's calling you too. <laughs> I can remember the day I gave my heart to God years back in 1991. Cold. I went to church because there was a cute girl there. Well, of course I'm going to go to church for a cute one, not an ugly one. I'm sitting in the back of this little church. She's going up to play. And I'm standing by the there's a little pot stove. I mean, literally, it was a one-room. I mean, this sounds like an old-school story. But it was a one-room schoolhouse. And they were preached, and her daddy was preaching. Yeah, falling for, falling for an evangelist. Daughter's not wise, by the way. And I'm checking her out, man. I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, she's kind of cute. Boy, all of a sudden, that Holy Spirit started to move, and it wasn't an infatuation for her. It was a conviction on me. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Let's talk. I'm here for her, not for you. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And I kept saying to him, and I put my arms around each other. And I said, I'm not going. I'm being stubborn. I'm not going. There's no way. I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic at 21 years old. Twenty-one years old. They said when I hit that altar, because I don't even remember getting out of my pew. Well, they said when I hit that altar, I dove from the third pew and dove to that altar. The Spirit of God hit me for the next four hours. I'm on my back. And when I open my eyes, I look up. And the only thing, because I knew the walls had come down and I was delivered. That's what I knew. That's it. And I laid there and I looked up and they're praying over me. Four hours. Okay, it felt like four hours maybe. I don't know. Because I really lost time. Maybe in ten minutes. (laughs) But I'm laying there and I opened my eyes. Tears are flowing because I knew I'd been delivered. I knew the walls had come down and the battle was over. God annihilated. And I looked up and the only thing that I could say in all my wisdom That's the best drug I've ever done in my life. (laughs) God took him out. Let me ask you, stand with me. What's holding you back 
What's holding your commitment level back from God? One of two things. One, you're not saved. I'm, one, I'm laying brass tacks. One, you're just not saved. You're playing a game with God and you think it's going to be okay and I got news for you, you're going to lose. You will not win. You will continue struggling knowing God wants you. When are you going to give it up? Number two, you love God. But you're scared to death to let it go and give it over to somebody else. God, I got this. Jericho Walls, we got this. No, you don't. I had control of my addiction, right? No. Addiction controls you. It doesn't. You don't control it. I don't care if your addiction is to drugs, alcohol, porn, money, greed, whatever it is. Your addiction controls you. You don't control your addiction. And you might not even call it an addiction, but it's got you. If it's pulling you away from God, ladies and gentlemen, that's an addiction. Where is your faith level today? None, little, a lot. Where's your walk? These altars are open. We want to, or if you want to come up, I'll pray with you. This is Pastor Joe Inman of KF Fellowship Ministries in Forsyth, Missouri. We'd like to invite you to our service on Sundays at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at 115 Shadow Rock Drive, Missouri, where we believe in Psalms 147.3, He healeth the broken and bindeth up their wounds.